With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Wait, can you hear my cat in the background? I hear something jingling. But, you know, some people are already putting out Christmas decorations, so. <laughs> Every time I lay down on this bed, she jumps up and headbutts me. <laughs> well, I mean, Paul Banks has his cat on in the background for the Let's Get Weird oh, well, podcast, so. Emmy Lou will get on here and talk if you want her to. <laughs> Intercepted at the 49 by David Dowell on the jet sweep touchdown right and Purdue with seconds to go in the third quarter make it a four-point game Wow coming back the other way complete and what a hit and a strip Thompson the ball came loose and the Spartans got it incredible to deal with adversity well today on the reverse Miller still on his feet Freshman ready to go. Touchdown. This Michigan State defense, they came to play, they showed up, and they showed out and really helped get Michigan State back to a victory. They end up winning at 23 to 13. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever you might be listening, and welcome to the Hammer and Ales football podcast. This is episode number eight for us. Obviously, I am not Travis. Travis is somewhere. I actually have no idea what he's doing. But I, my name's Juan, coming to you live on tape from the West Coast and just down the street from the Rose Bowl. Literally, I am only 10 minutes from the Rose Bowl. Anyway, joining me, we have Drew Schneider. How are you doing, Drew? Good. I'm I'm in the little apple of Manhattan, and I am only about five minutes down the road from the Bill Schneider Family Stadium. So mm-hmm. very, very similar, I feel. I, don't, I wonder who's who we're able to see worse football from right now down the street. UCLA, who plays in the Rose Bowl, or Kansas State? Ironically, they played in a bowl game last year, and Kansas State drug them up and down the field. And this year, this UCLA year, UCLA stuff? Yeah, this you year know. it would probably be not be is entertaining yeah last week i actually went to the ucla utah game because i always wanted to go to the rose bowl and yeah ucla is bad it's yeah it's almost a disgrace that they get to play in the rose bowl like they don't deserve 
to play in there when they're so bad. But you know, that maybe that's just a podcast for another time. I just uh, have one question before we move on to that. Who is having the worst return to football? Chip Kelly or John Gruden? Ooh. Right? I would say probably Chip Kelly, because at least he had some success before. I don't know. Super Bowl, but it's been a while. Yeah. Gruden, I don't know. It's like Gruden's just been on the air forever, or at least like, you know, maybe the past few seasons or so, where it's like Chip Kelly, he just ever since he left Oregon, just not good. Yeah. And one more note from the game, from the NFL game tonight. Uh, Raheem Mostert had a really good game going until he snapped his arm in half. It was gross. Yeah, I'm not gonna be but, watching that replay. No, me neither. I can't watch that. I can't watch that. Somebody said it on Twitter, and I was like, no, no, not gonna watch this clip. But uh, that's a tough break for Raheem, and he's been the guy that's been plugging along in the NFL, special teams and practice squad guy, and is finally getting his big break as a running back. And uh, yeah, you know, at least it's an arm injury, which uh, you know, as far as breaking a bone goes as a football player, is probably preferable to a leg injury. Do we know which arm it was, left or right? Uh, no, I just heard broken arm, snap, gross. Ugh. And I said, no. Feels his left arm. He's probably all right now. <laughs> and Raheem, if somehow you're listening to this and it is your left arm that's broken, I hope that gives you a little chuckle. Yeah. Um, and also, well why? Seen. And also, why are you listening to our podcast? You have better things to do, probably. We may have some time on his hands right now. Mm, true. And I mean, and this is our second attempt at this podcast because uh, we tried recording on Monday when Drew was in South Carolina. We would have had a coast to coast podcast, and I guess the internet is terrible in South Carolina. It. Our attempt to record the podcast went as well as Purdue's attempt on Saturday to win the game. And with that, we'll transition into, transition covering, the, into covering the Michigan State game. So, Drew, what the hell happened? All right. I'm going to keep this short and dirty because no need to dwell on the, the past. Uh, yeah, so the offense was just bad. David Blau has played his worst game of the season and one of probably his worst games since maybe he got pulled in the Minnesota game last year. Our red zone offense was terrible. We were kicking field goals instead of touchdowns. Getting inside, we got inside the 10-yard line and settled for a field goal. We got inside the 25 and settled for a field goal. Just couldn't put it together uh, on offense. And then we need to be good on offense to win. Our defense, I felt like, held up okay. We only gave up 23 points. And like I said in my article, if you told me we were only going to give up 23, I would have bet a lot of money on Purdue because Purdue should be able to score 24 points against Michigan State. And they should have. The points were there. We just refused to accept them. Right. Well, Michigan State's been pretty good on short field situations. Their defense is just weird. They have a very good run defense, but their pass defense is one of the worst. Yeah. And it seemed like, I've been saying this in the group chat all week, it was just like, it's almost as if they realize it's like, hey, if we just use our run defense to not give Blau any time and just run through their offensive line, then maybe I'll give our pass defense a chance. Do you think yeah. that's kind of what happened there? Yeah. I mean, our offensive line had trouble. I feel like Blau was just so was taking so long to make decisions uh, in that game as well. Some of that pressure was on him because I felt like he had some chances to get rid of the ball early and he was really staring down a lot of his primary receivers and not coming off of them and trying to wait for them to break open instead of just getting the ball out of his hand. Um, it was, yeah, it was probably the worst game this uh, of the year for our offensive line who I feel like 
has really or really come along since the beginning of the season. But it, you know, Michigan State—that's what they're built on—is that tough defensive line and two really good defensive ends, and uh, that gave us uh, a lot of trouble. And then on the defensive side, we just couldn't get any pressure on the quarterback. We tried, nothing really worked. But we did pretty well of hanging in, keeping them to field goals, keeping us in the game, even when Blau was throwing interceptions or we were having trouble in the red zone. Um, and they were getting, they had some drives that started off in good field position. Uh, but we didn't do anything real explosive on defense either that got them off the field or scored us some points. You know, the defense was average. The offense was bad. And yeah. uh, that's sort of the game. <laughs> Yeah, I know people were really frustrated because they were pointing to the fact that this was Lombardi's first start. Um, but what I was re and you know they've a lot of their offensive weapons on Michigan State side had been injured. But what I was reading was that Lombardi had been taking snaps in practice for two weeks now, and the only reason why he didn't start last the week before against Michigan was because Lewerke, you know, since it was a rivalry game, he wanted to play. But so Lombardi, like, you know. There's a big difference between practicing and game time, obviously, but it's not like he was coming into this offense brand new as well. And maybe, maybe we underestimated that or overestimated. Yeah, yeah, no, he did a really good job. I, I was surprised as well. I thought Michigan State would run the ball more, but we really stopped them from running the ball. I don't think Scott did very much of anything. Uh, Lombardi had some runs, uh, broke the pocket, uh, and then he he's got a strong arm, and he was really. <laughs> You could see the difference between his passes and Blau's passes all day where he was putting him on. They were hitting those in cuts and out cuts, and he was putting the ball right on his, his receivers, and the ball was getting there quick uh, where Blau's passes were sort of floating. I don't know if he was having some trouble with the ball or the weather or just the pressure was bothering him. You could definitely see a big difference between the arm strength between those two quarterbacks, and I think it really – that was one of the things that really helped Michigan State is Lombardi was gunning the ball in on those, you know, eight yard, nine yard routes. And that was really successful for Michigan State. Yeah. MSU is probably the weird team in the East this year. Us and Northwestern are probably the weird teams in the West. But Michigan State, you know, they kind of struggled. They went two and one in their non con. Like they lost at Arizona State. But then they beat Penn State on the road as well. I mean, I grant Penn State's not world beaters this year, but you know, pretty much everyone wrote them off going into that game. And then the week before, only 94 yards against Michigan. And then this week, they just threw all over the place. So it's just weird. D'Antonio's teams are weird. Yeah, they played to a lot of our. They're set up tough. They played a lot of our weaknesses. The defensive line has just given us trouble over the years. We didn't win very many games at all during the Hazel era, but. Uh, you know, went into Michigan State and it's always sort of gray and crappy weather and and, and there's just nothing ever good happens there. No, and crappy weather is D'Antonio's specialty. Like, that's a secret yeah. juice coming from the sky. It's well known yeah. among Michigan fans. Right, no, I feel like the grass was extra long last Saturday. Like, the grass was long, it was sort of wet and cold and, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's built more for that slow... Uh, grinding style that they like to play on defense and not right. so much for our fast running style on offense. But one, we should not dwell on the negative past things as those things are unchangeable. Right. So we should focus on the future or what is soon to be the present. Uh, and uh, talk a little bit about Iowa. What do you think? Our most hated rivals are coming our, to West Lafayette. 
You know, when I think about Iowa, just hatred fills my heart. So much hate. I was right. I was just looking, watching some of their game film, and like my hands were shaking, and I was sweating and just cursing. I could not. Oh, you didn't fall asleep from boredom by watching their offense. Oh well, yeah, yeah. Eventually, that happened. It sort of soothed me slowly into a more. It wasn't more like sleep. It was more of a coma. Oh. Uh, yeah, it was like catatonic, uh, like a fugue state. Really, I would say my eyes were seeing things, and my brain stopped processing them, but. I didn't really miss a lot, I don't think. That's how Iowa wins their games. They just lull you into sleep. Right. No, eventually you're just like, I can't watch another three-yard run. And then and then they get a five-yard run. And then another three-yard run. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, actually they threw a lot against Penn State. They threw it. Uh, Stanley was like something like 18 for 40. That may have had something to do with the, uh, the score, but... You know, they tried They tried to air it out, and it didn't work very well because I think he threw two picks and no touchdowns and was through for, you know, less than 50, completely less than half his passes. But, well, uh, and two of those interceptions, you know, one was deep in their own territory that led immediately to a Penn State touchdown, yeah. and then the other one was a potential game winner that got intercepted because the wide receiver wasn't looking, I think. Yeah, yeah. So passing, maybe they should just go back to their three-yard runs because it doesn't seem like passing may be not, not their deal. Yeah, maybe, and I, maybe know who you are, right? And I knew that Io had a pretty good defense, but looking up the numbers today, like I didn't realize how good they've been. Yeah, they're yeah, the no, second best in the Big team. Ten. It's kind yeah. of scary. Well, they're fourth total defense. They are fourth best in the nation. Right. Yeah, they only give up like 264 yards a game, which uh, you know we throw for way more than. And I think we're throwing for like 330 a game or something crazy like that. So yeah, and they're recently. And I was looking up some of their games, and I'm wondering like, how did they give up like almost 30 points to Minnesota? And then I look and I realize like two of two or so of their touchdowns were like after Nate Stanley interceptions, and they returned it to like the five yard line. So yeah. No, their defense is freaky. Uh, they're like 15th in the nation in sacks, uh, 18th in passing yards allowed. Uh, they have a really strong run defense. They got two defensive ends that are just absolute monsters. Uh, and that's what really sort of concerns me for this game. Uh, so we had trouble with Michigan State defensive ends, and these guys are even bigger. And we got a guy named Anthony Nelson, who's like 6'7, 275 on one end. And then AJ, uh, and I'm going to slaughter his name i'm just gonna call him aj and he is uh like a six another guy that's about six five two seventy uh and he's basically iowa's george Karloftis. like he's a probably the best recruit the program's ever had ironically enough i was looking at 247 he's actually not the greatest the best recruit he is the second best recruit they've ever had the number one recruit in, for iowa and purdue during the ratings era is the same player Hmm. It did not end well. <laughs> Obviously. Yeah, Kyle Williams is their number one all-time recruit during the ratings era. Yeah, I was talking with a friend about uh, uh, this game, and he was texting me, and he was like, give me Boilers 52-21 this week. Disclaimer, I may or may not be drunk right now. He was I'm like, drunk. <laughs> you got, I'm like, you got to be crazy to think that Iowa would score you know, 21 points, let alone Purdue scoring 52 points in this yeah. game. And I said, if we score 52, I assume six of those TDs are from pick sixes. Yes, definitely, definitely. I feel like I feel like we've got we've got to score something on on defense because I feel like this is another game 
where offense might struggle. Blau has trouble with some of those taller defensive ends. He's not a big guy. He kind of he has sort of a low a low release on a lot of his passes. You saw him get it batted down or tipped against Iowa a couple times. I think he has a little bit of a hard time seeing those outside routes with these big guys uh, coming at him. It is definitely a game that uh, is a cause for concern in that we need to score points to win, and it's hard to score points on Iowa without right. them helping you. Yeah, and that seems to be Iowa seems to be willing to give away some points as well. Unless you're Maryland, because they did shut them out the week before. It's definitely a game I'm not confident about. No, I think really it's probably, I think Vegas probably has it about right. It's a one or two, I think it's a one or two point game one way or the other. Uh, barring a barrage of turnovers from either quarterback. Uh, so that's that's going to be sort of the wild card, because I feel like this thing should be closed unless one of the quarterbacks has a bad day. Everybody yeah. plays. Everybody plays up to their, uh, you know, potential. I feel like this will probably be a two, three-point game, one way or the other. It's definitely going to be one of those games where the first team to get to twenty is probably going to win. Yeah, that that might be true. That might be true, which does not bode well for Purdue. I feel like for Purdue to win this game, they need to get into the thirties. I just that defense. Our defense has got has has been much better. But they're still not good. I mean, they're still really young. The defensive line doesn't doesn't get a lot of, of uh, pressure on the quarterback by themselves. So we have to send extra people. Our secondary is still not great. They've been better. I think we all may have gotten just a little bit too high on that Ohio State game. Really? Yeah. I think we all were just a scotch uh, intoxicated by our victory. You know, we may have forgotten a few things about this Purdue team that, uh, you know, didn't really show up against Ohio State or Ohio State imploding sort of hid. Sort of like, you know, our pass defense isn't great. Our defensive line isn't great. Our linebackers are pretty good. It's still a work in progress. Oh, yeah. So I mean, Ohio State still had almost 600 passing yards. Yeah, Ohio State just couldn't put the ball in the end zone. Right, uh, which you know, good for us. I guess we played really good defense. And like the last, we really covered those last five yards of the field hard, though. But yeah, no, this is an interesting game. They're gonna throw the ball. They've got two. Their two leading receivers are Hankson and and Fant. Noah Fant. They're both like six five, two forty five tight ends. Um, so that's gonna put a lot of strain on our linebackers uh, to get out in coverage. So I think you'll probably see Thieneman. Uh, when we when we they line up, they're doing their two tight end sets. If we're playing man, I think you'll probably see Thieneman on one and Bailey on the other. Um, but still, it's pretty big size disadvantage on both of those guys. So that that is the only real troubling thing uh, that Iowa brings on the offensive side that we may not normally see. But as you're saying, they're they're bad on offense. They're 78th in the nation in rushing and 74th in passing. We sh- we can stop them, uh, hopefully. <laughs> right. I was joking as well with uh, someone else. It's like you know, if Iowa and Michigan make it to the Big Ten championship game, that's going to be like a five-three game. Right. Like the Big Ten, this our our side of the bracket, our our side of the conference has. Probably the two most boring teams, three, two of the three most boring teams in the nation being 
Wisconsin and Iowa, and Wisconsin and Iowa play each other, I feel like it should always be in a blizzard. I feel like that's the only thing that really brings any interest is, is uh, full whiteout conditions. Uh, so I mean, I, I did watch the entirety of the Iowa-Wisconsin game for some reason. What? what is wrong with you, Juan? Are you having trouble sleeping at night? Is that energy? Well, at least, like, on the West Coast, you know, that game was at 4 o'clock. So it was just, you know, oh, something to watch while I eat dinner. Uh, all right, all right. You know, it's like, the, it's like an airplane movie at that point. True, true. Like watching a rerun of The Office, and you just look up every now and then, and you already know all the words. And uh, it's probably well, very similar to Wisconsin-Iowa. You I still look pay up every now and then. to The Office, you know, even if I'm on, like, my third or fourth time watching it, so... Anyways, yeah, Wisconsin, Iowa is terrible. Michigan is super boring on the other side, and I agree. An Iowa-Michigan game would be an eye-bleeding, uh, painful slog. But as someone with a Michigan degree, I would welcome Michigan in the Big Ten Championship. And someone not Wisconsin, representing the West. Yeah, no, I feel like I, as a Clemson grad, I would really love to see Michigan uh, in that third spot uh, in the playoffs because... Uh, you got to score points to beat Clemson, and they can't score. I think it ended a lot like the Ohio State-Clemson game did a few years ago. Well, at least Michigan's offense is better than last year, but that's not saying much. Yeah, I mean, that's really not hard. I think I think I could have probably been as, just as effective as any of their quarterbacks last year. But this is a Purdue podcast, then. Oh, sorry, sorry. It's okay. I'm the one who's supposed to be, like, talking about Michigan and all this stuff. Here you are taking over. All right, yeah, but you know what? I will say... This Iowa game is important because Iowa has this sneaky little pipeline into Indianapolis that we really need to to cut off. They've took they've taken the last two classes. They've taken four really important players out of Indianapolis, guys that we would love to have on our team right mm-hmm. now. And so I think we need to put their hot the Hawkeyes in their place and sort of turn off the water on that little indie connection that they've been you know, pulling all these guys out of state that we uh, we would like. Hey, if uh, Purdue wins, then it really hurts Iowa's chances of going to the Big Ten championship game. So maybe it could help them yep, not get definitely. to Indy. Definitely help. Us down there. I just I don't I don't understand how anybody would show up and be like Iowa. Yes, this is where I want to be. You're like, um, ooh, maybe I can help the offense yeah. score into double digits on its own. Yeah. All right. Well, actually, all these guys are defensive guys, or most of them are. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, Tyrone Tracy, I guess, was a running back. And then Julius Brent and DJ Johnson were both defensive backs. We would have loved to have it Purdue on this team right now. They both, well, at least one of them, Brent would probably start for us yeah, right now. And I think so, you know, that was a guy that would have been really nice to pull out of Indianapolis. I think he was from Warren Central. Um, and then in 2019, uh, Justin Britt, who's the best offensive lineman in the state, and he's also at Warren Central, committed to Iowa right now, which is super lame. That is. Because like, it would be very nice to have him on the squad as well uh, coming in. But, you know, we can't get everybody. Right. So, But I would like to kick them out of the state as quickly as possible. That's <laughs> true. I don't really have too much more on my end. Do you have any final thoughts before we wrap up this podcast? I do have one quick thing to say. My uh, my hate article on shaking the Southland on Louisville will be out tomorrow morning. And if you guys are sick and tired of uh, listening to Louisville fans uh, write love letters to our coach, 
go ahead and, and pick it up on the Clemson SB Nation site. Take a look uh, because uh, I'm tired of them too. And uh, I said some mean things. We're all tired of them. Right? I've, only, I've only interacted with Louisville fans at volleyball games. And even there, they were pretty damn annoying. Well, in this article, I said that Lamar Jackson was the shiny kernel of corn in the crap sandwich that is Louisville football. So true. it goes down from there. Uh, so, yeah, they need to uh, keep their hands off our coach. Stop what's, writing him letters. What's amazing is, like, you know, two years ago, you know, Louisville right. and Purdue were, like, a huge difference. Like, it definitely seemed like Louisville was a much better job. But now Brom has brought up Purdue. And Louisville has come down that most non-Purdue fans and, like, unbiased people are thinking, that would kind of be a lateral move at this point. Yeah, no, Louisville is a, is a tough job. I, it, Purdue's a better job than Louisville in every way as far as we have good facilities, we're in, in a good conference. But think about this. If, for Jeff Brom, if he were to go to Louisville, he would have to have Louisville better than... Florida State and Clemson to well, win their division. State, to, hard. to win their division. And you say Florida State now, but at the same point, they've still got the number ten recruiting class in the nation coming in. So it's true. And, but I and will... they care they care about football. So I think Florida State will be back sooner rather than later. Right. But I will say this. Brom does not say no to a challenge. As much as I want him to stay in West Lafayette, I would not be surprised if Brom is like, you know what? I will take on that challenge and try to out recruit Clemson and all that, even if it might be undoable. But yeah, it, well, it's completely undoable because, like Clemson and Florida State, the geographic advantage alone. You know, Clemson is right there, right, right smack dab next to Georgia and, and Florida, and that's where we pull. And South Carolina, and North Carolina, that's where we pull all their players, our players. And Louisville's sort of the you know basketball school in the middle of uh, in Northern Kentucky trying to out-recruit Big Ten schools uh, for big guys that have probably grown up watching Big Ten players or games, and they're trying to recruit them to go play in the ACC. Uh, and so, And so I feel like that Louisville job, man, it's a tough job. The athletic department's a trash fire. You know, their name kept coming up over and over again. Basketball program's names have kept coming up in that Nike or the Adidas trial. They don't have an athletic director, like I said. You know, they just had to take Papa John's name off the stadium. I mean, it's it's a bad time in Iowa right, or Louisville right now. We hope it becomes a bad time in Iowa. Well, it'll be a Maybe. bad time in Iowa on Saturday. <laughs> I mean, uh, it's Iowa. It right. can't get any better. I, I don't even know. Like, I don't know. My wife had a job opportunity at Iowa State, and she was like, no, it is significantly more boring than Manhattan. Yeah, yeah my like, brother, my brother used to live in Waterloo, which is kind of in the center northeast part of iowa and i just remember crossing the mississippi whenever we went to go visit him and uh, that was the worst part it was like we still got another two hours of this i mean now he lives in like the quad city so along the mississippi and i haven't visited him since so at least he's not too far in iowa now but yeah yeah. i can't think of anything good about iowa i I don't even i like indiana corn better i said it bold words yeah yeah, other than, and what else do they have? I mean, they have ghost pa- baseball players. And if uh, you just play the baseball field, they'll come because there's nothing else to do. Even the ghosts are bored. Yeah, yeah, no, everybody is bored in Iowa. 
everybody is bored in Iowa. And I, you would think that would inspire Iowa to put like an exciting team on the field. But I feel like the, the like boredom pull of Iowa is just so much that you can't overcome it. And you just, they, they're just emulating their surroundings. And this is probably why Iowa, Iowa fans drink so much. Yeah. I mean, I would, I would definitely have to drink a lot to be an Iowa fan. Uh, just ungodly amounts, really. I mean, every week to see that same. It'd be watching like a like a good Daryl Hazel team. I know that's a hard hard thought to even get your brain around a good Daryl Hazel team. But it'd be like watching that. Like you're still like bored and you're like, how is this happening? What's going on? But Iowa wins a lot of those games. Yeah. Speaking of Hazel, well, not really. But as I mentioned, I was at the UCLA game on Friday and. I think even at its worst under Hazel, the experience and feeling in Ross Aid was better than whatever, whatever the hell UCLA does in the Rose Bowl. Well, yeah, I always assumed it's just because there were probably less people, but in a smaller space. I feel like you've got that giant stadium and only like 45 people. Well, uh, and like at least Purdue students still showed up. That was a big thing. Like UCLA, like UCLA's campus is not close to the Rose Bowl at all. The UCLA students are in Los Angeles, and the Purdue students are in West Lafayette. So I'm assuming that there are more entertainment options. Right. It's not um, like there's also a World Series game going on at the same time, yeah. and you know it was a Friday night, so people are like, "Well, it's going to take like two hours just to get to the Rose Bowl from Westwood." Yeah, UCLA is trash, trash and garbage. The whole Pac-10 is. Pac-12. Pac-12. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. They should only be ten. It's okay. I'm, I'm ready to go back to our normal conferences. Just every time I see Maryland, I'm like, stupid ACC. They're like, wait, no, they're not in the ACC. We don't play them anymore. And to think uh, if like Colorado and Utah were not in the Big Ten or Pac-12 right now, they're they're probably like the two of the better teams right now. Yeah. Like and the traditional like, Pac-10 schools are bad. Yeah, and like Clemson gets so confused every year when we have to play Syracuse in football. Like we don't even show up. We're just like, wait. What? It's the middle of the year and we're playing a team from New York? This makes no sense. And they're orange? Uh, like, no. Yeah, no. Only it, we it, can be orange. Really, it really, really confuses us. Uh, so I want to go, I'm ready to go back to our normal conferences. I'll write Jim Delaney a letter, strongly worded letter. Send them back to the Big East. Yes, let's reform the Big East because none of those, all those teams are trash, man. Think about that. Football? Who out of the Big East is like Miami was supposed to be so good and they've been a total waste I of mean, ACC money. Has been all right. Who? West Virginia. Yeah, uh, West Virginia. I don't know. They're just they're just another Big Twelve team, you know, that'll throw the ball for all all game, but then every now and then that doesn't work and they lose right. to like Iowa State. Yeah, you know, West Virginia's all right. Virginia Tech's been kind of terrible. Louisville's now Boston terrible. College used to be in the Big East, and they're okay. Yeah, Boston College, yeah, they're okay. They're, you know, we saw Purdue beat their brains out. They're a lot like Iowa. It's super boring to watch. If they can't run the ball, they don't win. Uh, but I'm ready, Juan. Let's go back. Let's uh, let's go back to where things used to be. I I'd remember be okay the with 90s. that. Well, anyways, we should probably jump off this nostalgia train. And, right, this uh, was a very long uh, last thoughts for the podcast. Yeah. Yeah, sorry. I have a lot of thoughts, and I don't see okay. a lot of people during the day. So, you know, I appreciate the outlet. Yeah, it's okay. I mean, I know there's not much to do in Kansas either. 
There's really not. Like I said, I went to the Kansas State women's basketball game today. The exhibition, I feel like it set the game of basketball back at least 50 years. It was they won 50 to 48. It was as painful as the score indicates. But still, somehow better than Purdue women's basketball right now. Ayo. Oh, I don't know about that. But yeah. <laughs> anyway, on that note, for Drew, this is Juan signing off and boiler up. Boiler up.